This podcast is brought to you by Trend. Trend is a micro-influencer marketing platform that helps connect brands with influencers. Learn more, join our network, or start an influencer campaign at trend.io. Hey everybody, welcome back to The Trend, the podcast about influencer marketing. I'm your host, Jay. I'm the head of growth over here at Trend, and today we're going to be talking about expectations for influencer marketing campaigns. So this is a little bit more kind of elaborating some of the topics that we've talked about before, about things like brand awareness, using influencer content as content for your content calendar and those kind of things. So I kind of wanted to do a little bit more of a deep dive into kind of what the expectations for influencer marketing campaigns should be. So I think a lot of brands and influencers sometimes get kind of tangled up in this idea, kind of mesmerized by this idea of driving sales. And I think it happens a little bit more for brands than it does for influencers. And so I think it's important to kind of clear the air on what kind of expectations should be had for influencer marketing. Influencer marketing is obviously a very new space. It's a newer space, right? I think people are still trying to figure out how to make sense of this, how much to pay influencers, you know, what kind of compensation should be received and those kind of things. So I myself am in marketing. So as a marketing person, I think one thing that's really big to us is ROI. How do you measure it? How do you generate it? Those kind of things. And so, you know, when you're in that ROI mindset, it can kind of bleed over into everything marketing wise, where you're just kind of thinking of dollars, which I think that's why kind of driving sales becomes such an important topic for a lot of brands. And they kind of ask influencers as well about those kind of things is because obviously marketing is a very metric driven industry and those kind of things. So even when I'm kind of putting together ideas for what kind of marketing campaigns I want to run outside of just working with influencers or something like that. Um, I'm always looking for generating a positive ROI. And for me, a lot of times on ads, obviously that's going to be, you know, how many customers can you acquire? How many sales can you make? We're obviously a software company. So a big thing for us is inbound leads and kind of just building that brand awareness and getting people driven to our website so we can kind of create and cultivate that audience. When you talk about things like other channels like email marketing, content marketing, the idea is to kind of come back and drive it and connect it back to sales, right? And with influencer marketing, I think, you know, you just see a little bit more of a tighter connection, right? You're enabling someone to kind of promote your product. And so your expectation is that you're going to be driving a sale whenever you are working with someone to promote your product, right? In sales, probably you have SDRs and account executives by enabling that person and giving them what they need to be able to sell, you're expecting to hopefully get a sale. But it doesn't always work that way in influencer marketing. And I think that's something that's really important. And as the industry starts to mature, I think more people are going to kind of de-emphasize the influencer themselves driving the sale and kind of looking at other ways that they can acquire ROI, right? Obviously, I think you've seen some of this in some of the more mature industries for kind of marketing, Um, things like content marketing, you know, obviously putting together a guide or a template or something 
might not directly correlate in a sale, but it's going to kind of work towards building that audience, um, kind of putting them into that consideration phase, and hopefully they end up becoming a paying customer, right? They end up converting down the line. But, you know, those templates, those case studies, reviews, those kind of things aren't inherently going to directly drive a sale, right? You'd be completely ridiculous if you were like, hey, if I got a review, then I should be getting X amount of sales per reviews, right? And you can kind of figure out, you know, how many reviews and things like that and how many pieces of content you need to produce to be able to drive enough traffic to produce a sale, right? Um, And I think those kind of things, you know, those different steps that are involved in the process need to be taken in mind when doing influencer marketing. You know, when I look at influencer marketing, I think one of the key things is that you need to focus on, you know, what you can control. And I think the biggest piece that you can control in influencer marketing is going to be the collaborators that you're working with and the content that they're producing, right? And when I'm talking about those two things, we're talking about the audience, right? Um, How much value does the audience have? Are they actually interested in this topic? Um, And obviously that kind of brings us back to why micro-influencers are so important. They usually have a really well-connected audience in their space that are interested in that topic, right? So you've got beauty influencers, fashion influencers, um, everything, even sports influencers. I'm a big sports guy, so I follow a lot of people that are popular in the sports place. So there's a lot of different types of influencers. And I think the other piece that you need to find out is the content level, right? With more and more ways for people to kind of get themselves out there, put themselves out there, you're able to build an audience a little bit easier, right? Um, you can put together a social profile, post post some decent content, post pretty frequently, and you'll be able to curate an audience. And I think one thing that's important for brands especially is to make sure that you're looking at high quality content. And I think that's why that's such a key piece. So when you're talking about influencer marketing and kind of what kind of expectations you should have, I think the most important thing you can kind of focus on is making sure you're working with an influencer who has an an audience that's engaged in your space and making sure that they're producing that high quality content. The reason behind the audience piece, that's going to be the highest way for you to be able to come back and eventually generate sales, right? If you have a, let's say a sports product, right? Or a fitness product and you're using a beauty influencer to promote it, obviously people that are being targeted. So if a beauty influencer posts something about fitness or something like that, you might get some people that are interested or something like that a little bit, but it's not going to be as much as maybe working directly with someone who's a fitness influencer, right? So let's say if you have like a protein supplement or something like that and you hand it off to a beauty influencer, yeah, some of the people that follow the beauty influencer might have similar interests, but you're going to be way better off by giving that to a fitness influencer who's probably going to have way more people that have that engaged audience. And then going back to that second piece on high quality content. So I think that's a huge part as well um, in terms of how to generate your ROI. A big thing that influencer marketing has the potential for, which I, I think a lot of brands might not be using as well, and maybe even influencers might not be using their content in the same way as well as they could leverage it. I think you gotta what you gotta do is take that content 
and you've got to be able to post it on multiple channels. So email, social, web, ads, use them on your promotions if you're doing a promotion or something like that. I think that's something that's super big and you really can't do that. It's not going to resonate well unless it's high quality content, right? I think a lot of Gen Zers and younger people, um, myself included, have kind of been turned off to the idea of traditional advertising, right? If you're a traditional advertiser, you're creating content to sell. Um, and so you're not really thinking about that target person completely in the same sense of what a content creator is doing. But you still want to have that high quality content, right? Um, if I go to a website and it's a bunch of poorly done photos or something like that, um, I don't think I'm going to be willing to buy that product, right? There's that sense of distrust that's kind of built in that sense. So I think that that's something that's really important. So, you know, making sure you're using that content across all spaces. And I think when you're talking about reconnecting this back to ROI, I think that's when you start to really see an ROI, right? You look for different types of metrics. Sales is one metric, obviously, um, and you can do some of that stuff, you know, through affiliate codes or affiliate marketing or things like that, or giving someone a way to be able to get back to the website and track who it's from, right? Individual, maybe use like a bio link and give them an individual URL or something like that to be able to connect that person back to that sale. But I think you've got to start looking at other metrics that are around there, right? Things like site traffic, maybe email engagement, website engagement, time on page, things like that. Um, ads, how are they converting? Are people clicking through the link more? Are people then when they click through the link, maybe looking through more pages? Promotion wise, did you build a lot of awareness? So I think those are kind of ROI metrics that you have to use. And, you know, sales is obviously a big thing, right? Um, influencer marketing can be pretty expensive right now. The industry itself is still trying to figure out what's the rate for things? How do you calculate the right rate? Making sure that you're not overpaying or underpaying an influencer. Obviously, underpaying means that you wouldn't probably get a chance to work with that influencer. So you've got to really figure out those things. And while the industry is kind of figuring it out, I think you've really got to hone in a little bit more on what other metrics there are to be able to generate that positive ROI. And I think Looking at some of those metrics and reconnecting it back to sales, I think is important. But even just taking a look at those metrics individually by themselves, right? You can't really put a price on brand awareness. And obviously, ultimately, yes, sales need to be driven. Um, but I think a really good example is probably maybe we talked about this earlier, Casper mattresses, right? You know, if everyone today bought a new mattress from somewhere else, not Casper. Um, and Casper, you know, continued to build up brand awareness over the next 10 years. Obviously, people don't change their mattress very often. And by the next maybe year eight or year nine, maybe even before that, let's say um, different types of products, maybe something that you need to change less free or more frequently, you know, you build up that brand awareness and that person might not be willing to buy from you when they made that original purchase, that first purchase or that previous purchase, but now they know who you are in the market, right? They know you're a player in that space and it's kind of figuring out, 
you know, what the lifetime value of that brand awareness that you've generated is. Um, I think that's a really hard metric to be able to calculate, but it's something you've got to consider, right? One thing I've always talked about is you can't have people buying your product if they don't know about it, right? Um, If they've never heard of your product, they obviously can't buy it. So I think brand awareness um, is something that's really big. Um, and I think that's where influencer marketing really has a good chance to be able to build some of that. And the other piece, like I said, using content on different channels, kind of just continuing to build on that, um, right? I think return on ad spend is a really big thing that influencer marketing can provide. Just the fact that, you know, the content is a little bit more engaging, right? You don't want to just scroll right through it necessarily. Um, so it's a really good way to kind of build that brand awareness. Um, and kind of moving now over to the influencer side. So what does this mean for you in terms of managing influencer marketing expectations? How is that really connected? I think as an influencer, you've got to make sure and demonstrate what that value is that you're providing. If you're working with, you know, um, a database or an influencer network. Um, Trend is the only one with an influencer network, obviously, but I think you've really got to know what your value is and what your goals are uh, and make sure that they're very clear on what you can and can provide. So make sure you're staying in tune with your space and figuring out what you can do. Things like being able to provide impressions, um, saves, traffic that you're generating, the quality of your content You've got to be really big and in tune with what the value is that you're providing, right? If a brand comes to you and, you know, their their expectation is that they want to have sales, I think it's important to manage those expectations. I think that's where influencer marketing platforms really can come in handy is because they kind of serve as the intermediary between influencers and brands, right? They kind of help manage those expectations and kind of filter things out and make sure that everyone's on the same page. So I think it's incredibly important if you're an influencer out there and you're not on an influencer marketing platform um, or you're not in a data database, um, I think you definitely need to be there there in one of them. Influencer network is definitely preferred. Um, if you're not on Trend I, as an influencer, I would definitely recommend applying to Trend just because by working with an influencer marketing platform, those expectations are able to be managed better and more efficiently, right? You know, we talk to a lot of brands, we kind of work through them and talk through them about the same kind of ideas. Hey, you need to understand what the platform is for. It doesn't always necessarily drive sales. You can't really guarantee that stuff, but you can guarantee building awareness, right? You can guarantee how many eyes you're going to be able to see a piece of content on and you are able as an influencer marketing platform you're able to figure out what kind of content that is right um, and that's why it's so important to partner with the right platform just because you know if you're a really good content creator you don't want to be lumped in with a bunch of poor content creators i think it just kind of reflects poorly on what your brand is um i think a good example is uh you know maybe if you had a premium product maybe like a Harry's razors, um, if you're familiar with that, or even Quip toothbrushes, or uh, even like uh, we're local over here in Austin. So Chip and Joanna Gaines' Magnolia Market brand. Um, I think if you saw those items in a convenience store, you know, the packaging might look pretty cool and it might kind of make your head turn a little bit. 
but I think you'd lose you wouldn't have the same type of buying confidence that you would if you were at a more premium store like um how these products place themselves in like targets or when you see like really premium products in like a Nordstrom or a Neiman Marcus or something like that. I think making sure you're fitting yourself in with the right audience is extremely important. And so that's why influencer platforms are definitely important. So if you're an influencer, definitely get on one of those. Um, And I think just continue to manage those expectations in terms of if you're doing a solo, make sure you know what your key metrics are that you can definitely provide, right? Keep a good eye on that. Sales is going to be really hard to predict. Um, But what you can provide is really good content and an engaged audience, right, that you're going to continue to grow. And I think, you know, being a little bit more in tune in terms of how you want to kind of grow that relationship is really important. So if you're a creator, if you're a content creator, influencer, I think one thing that's really key is making sure that, like I said, providing that value and where can you provide that value? Is it on Instagram? Is it on Twitter? Is it on Facebook? Is it on Pinterest, YouTube? Whatever you are, if you're doing it solo, you've got to be able to take a look at those things. And I think another thing that's really important is, you know, the the lifetime value of the partnership. Those things are really important over there and just making sure that you are managing those expectations and kind of doing some of that stuff, right? If you continue to build the partnership and continue to grow the partnership, I think that's incredibly valuable and you can provide that value, right? You continue to keep talking to that same engaged audience and I think it's only going to just continue to grow your brand. So yeah, if you're a brand, um, the expectations you should really focus on figuring out how can we reuse that content? How can we control the ROI that we grow? And if you're an influencer, Um, I think it's just kind of being in the know on what those value metrics are and what you can provide and just making sure you're in tune. Like I said, definitely recommend the influencer platform route, Um, influencer networks better than databases because they're a little bit more curated um, and you get a little bit more control on what kind of group you're in. So that's kind of what everything on influencer marketing expectations I have for you guys right now. Thanks for tuning in and we'll look forward to having you next week on The Trend.